we've made it all the way to 1 Peter chapter 2. No longer in chapter 1, now we're in chapter 2. So if you have your copy of the Word of God, chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3. I think it started with toilet paper, didn't it? All these shortages from toilet paper to Dr. Pepper, I think, coins to roller skates to lumber to homes to furniture to chicken wings to of late fuel shortage but now it's gotten personal hadn't it hadn't it shortage of chick-fil-a sauces <laughs> oh the humanity i got to thinking about these shortages how are they happening how are these shortages happening in part at least they're happening by way of rumors right i mean Folks here, hey, there's a gas shortage, so they burn a half a tank of gas speeding to the gas station to fill up every container they have with gas, right? And I'm thinking about, man, these these rumors are working. So I'm going to ask you to start a rumor. I wouldn't normally do this, but times are unprecedented, right? So we're going to, I'm going to ask you to start a rumor uh, for this upcoming Sunday that there's an impending shortage of seats at church. We'll, we'll have people camping out on Saturday night trying to get a seat on Sunday morning. And if you're online, please start a rumor there's an impending shortage of bandwidth online for this upcoming Sunday. We'll have the largest attended week in man, maybe our history. So here we go. First Peter 2, I, I want you to see as we think about shortages today, I want to speak to you on the subject, there's no shortages of shortages I mean, there just is none. There's just so many. Every time you turn around, there's another shortage. But here in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter drills down into some shortages that, quite honestly, we just ignore. And it's time to ignore them no more. So I'm going to read uh, these three verses, and then we'll unpack it together. So here we go. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, the scripture's on the screen. So here we go. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it, by it, you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We pray, Lord, as we feast on your word that you would give us uh, taste buds that would taste today and see that, Lord, you are kind and you are gracious and you are merciful and you are good. Lord, I pray that for those who are far from God today, that Holy Spirit, you would draw them unto yourself. And those of us who have trusted in you, Holy Spirit, you would teach us from this text today and bring us to the point of decision. We ask it in Jesus' name and God's people said. So four shortages out of three verses. Here's the first one. Uh, The first shortage is there's a shortage of holiness via the word. Peter's already told us in chapter 1, be holy for the Lord your God is be set apart, be different. Why? Because Jesus is set apart, he's different. The Lord Yahweh is set apart, he's different. Therefore, if you're going to follow him, you too must be different, set apart, be holy. There is a shortage of holiness via the word. I was reading about a Catholic school who had received a book 
that was checked out of their library 32 years ago. They returned it 32 years later. And in it was a note, sorry, just 32 years overdue. (laughs) The name of the book, Manners Make a Difference. Well, apparently not, right? Because it went... Manners make a difference. They should have returned it in a timely manner. Anyway, the school said, hey, we're going we're gonna to forgive the $1,100 late fee. That's all forgiven. They also said, we're not going to recirculate the book because its content is outdated. I'm thinking, man, the one thing this world needs, of course, besides the gospel, is some manners, right? I mean, we need, we need manners. You see this book. This book is not merely a good book. This is God's book. Amen? <laughs> it's God's book. And the world will tell you it's outdated. The the world will say to you, it's outdated. But when you open, you begin to read it, you begin to discover, man, my sin debt is way more than 1100 bucks. And wow, Jesus, through him, all is forgiven. And Jesus, all who come to him, they're all forgiven. What a glorious message. And so here's what Peter does. Peter takes, because here's what Peter's doing. He's, He's drawing us back to the word. You see the word so or therefore in the first part of verse 1? That means because of this reason. Because of what reason? Well, you have to look what lies before. And what Peter has said is you've been born again by an imperishable seed. You've been born again by this word. You've been born again by the word of God. And this is the word, the gospel that was preached to you. Peter says at the end of chapter 1, he says, hey, the flowers fade, the grass withers, but the word of our Lord stands forever. And now he's drawing us back to the Word in verse 1 in chapter 2. So, therefore, because of this reason, because of this Word and the fact that you've been born again, saved by the Word, now, then, you need to grow up by the Word, right? So he's bringing us back to the Word. And to have a desire and a longing and a craving for this Word, there are some things we need to clean out of the closet of our hearts as believers. And he gives us a list of things we must put away. And the word put away literally means to put in prison. So the verse says here, so put away. Put in prison, throw away the key. The picture is like if you were to take off uh, your your clothes when, when you got home today, never to wear this set of clothes again. That's the picture. Take these things off, never put them on ever again. Stop it, get rid of them, rid yourselves of these these things. And here's a list that Peter gives. He gives us a list. Is it an exhaustive list? No. But it is a good starting list. In fact, in the Greek here, the word order, the therefore does not come before the put away. The put away comes first. Rid yourselves. Put away. It's a picture of repentance. And I'm going to show you that here in a minute. It's a picture of repentance. You take these things, you put them away, you lock them up, you, you throw away the key, you lay them aside, you stop them, you rid yourselves of them. Repentance is called for here. This is a call to repentance. In ancient Christian baptism ceremonies, what they would do is the folks that were coming to be baptized customarily, the clothes they wore to the baptism, uh, they never put them on again once baptized. The church would give them a new set of clothes. You can read about that in, in the history of Christianity. And, and why did they do that? It was symbolic that the old life is gone. Now there's new life in Christ. And so in the same way, as a believer, you've got to clean out your closet of the heart. In other words, when you become a follower of Jesus, you change your wardrobe spiritually. You change it. And so here's what Peter does. He gives us a list 
So let's check out this list that Peter lays down for us here in verse 1. Look what's on the list. Malice. Now this word in the original meaning, it, it basically means the state of depravity or general wickedness. General uh, evil. Just anything in the realm of sin under the umbrella of our sin nature. Kind of covers, encompasses all the sin. And it rids its ugly head with grudges. If, if, I don't know if any of you have ever held a grudge. But if you are now, you need to repent of that and give that up. So malice is here. And then, boy, these just get funner as we go. I'm telling you. Then there's deceit. Deceit is just deliberate dishonesty. Uh, it is the idea of speaking or acting with an ulterior motive. Okay? Underhanding a situation for your own advantage or for your own gain. Telling a lie or admitting the truth to get an advantage. Deliberate dishonesty. Uh, literally, the, the Greek is bait the hook. Bait the hook. Peter would have understood that as a fisherman. He baited the hook. Or they would bait the hook to catch the fish or uh, things such as that. So he would have understood what this means. Peter says, rid yourself of all deceit and of all malice. And then he uses this word hypocrisy. Hmm, hypocrisy. Uh, this word is from the Greek theater. It goes all the way back to the Greek theater and those that would take the stage and put on literally a mask to pretend to be someone they were not. Uh, to uh, have a, a pretense about yourself, to behave in a way that is different from what you believe, to put on a show, to play act, is the idea here. Uh, I, I flew for the first time about a week ago on Friday, Friday a week ago, and I had a connecting flight in Atlanta, so it not only happened on one plane, it happened on both planes. You know, you, you, you board the airplane and they do the guidelines, right? The safety guidelines. And they go through the spiel. Oftentimes it's recorded, pre-recorded, and this was the case on these flights. And they talk about the seatbelt, and they talk about the floating device, and they talk about the oxygen mask, and all those, all those things. And so the safety guideline, pre-recorded, it played. And then at the end of it, one of the flight attendants picked up the intercom and live made a statement. And when she made the statement, I thought, okay, that may be just for this flight. But then that's not the case. Uh, on the connecting flight, the same statement was made in, in the same kind of way. I'm saying, okay, they're trained to make this statement. Here, here's what she said. Here's what she said. Be sure to take off your COVID mask before you put on your oxygen mask. <laughs> Is this the level of intelligence that we have arrived at as a nation? I, I, when I heard it, I thought, did I really hear what I just heard? And I looked around, and I don't know if everybody just wasn't listening. It didn't seem to bother anybody else. I'm thinking, is this, man, what is happening? And then we get to a text like this, and we read about hypocrisy which is literally putting on a mask and pretending to be someone you're not. And we're all guilty of it, by the way. We're all hypocrites, every one of us. And, and, and we hear, I mean, the Bible hammers, Jesus hammered hypocrisy all the time. It's hammered, hammered. 
it doesn't seem to bother us. That this is a sin that God says, get rid of. And that doesn't seem to faze us. Do you remember common sense math? You remember that? Not common core math, but long division. Anybody remember long division? You know, writing in cursive. Remember those days? Yeah, I want to do some biblical math here. Here's some biblical math. Gospel demonstration. If you live out the gospel, if you, if you demonstrate the gospel with your attitude and your actions, but you do not give a reason for the hope that's within you, you don't tell anybody why you behave that way and act that, that way, that is cowardice. Okay? Now, if you have gospel conversations and you're giving a reason for the hope that's within you, but you don't live it out, <laughs> like you live in a completely different way, that is hypocrisy. And that's what Peter's calling out here. Put that away. Put that hypocrisy aside. And obviously the Holy Spirit says you need both. You need to live it out. You need to walk it and talk it, both at the same time. So here, let's look at the next one. Envy. Isn't this so much fun? Aren't these just so, so much fun? Envy. What is envy? Jealousy, spite. It begins with a desire to possess what belongs to someone else. That's where it begins. That's where it, it's one who resents another's prosperity or success. Uh, it's when you see or hear someone be successful and you have displeasure with that. It's rejoicing when someone experiences misfortune or being happy about it and being bothered by it, jealous of it when something good happens to somebody else. In fact, someone said it like this. One has said that envy will be the last sin that Christians will confess because it is so ugly. It's ugly. And I know that everyone that's sound of my voice said, I'm glad I don't commit envy. I'm glad I'm not guilty of envy. Let me give you some practical things that envy, the way it rears its ugly head. Do you have a critical spirit? Are you angry? Are you grouchy? Are you miserable? Are you resentful? Then your sin of choice is envy. Congratulations. That's one you need to repent of and immediately. Envy poisons our soul and it causes us to rejoice when people are misfortuned and be jealous when they're successful. Here's the last one, slander. Slander is insult. Speak evil against someone. Defame someone's character. You say, well, I, don't, I certainly don't do that. Well, here's what's under the umbrella of slander. Here we go. Gossip? Yes. Backbiting? Yes. Spreading rumors? I'm, I'm sorry I tried to get you to spread a rumor earlier, but yes, that's under that same umbrella. Uh, disparaging comments? Yes. Using humor to lacerate others? Yes. Veiled accusations? Yes. Twisting the truth to make another look bad? Uh, putting others down to make you look good? All of this falls under the umbrella of slander. And you can even slander someone with your body language or a raised eyebrow or a negative look. It doesn't have to be through words. And Peter, this is what, remember, it's all about a heart posture. So this is what Peter is saying. You need to take these things and put them off. And look what he does in, in this chain of sins. Notice the word and and the word all. And all. And, and, and all. It's connecting. In other words, this is not an exhaustive list. There's others out there that we're to put away and to rid ourselves of, but this is a good starting list. This week I text you, I ask you to help me by sending in your favorite junk food, right? Man, y'all, whoo, y'all eating some junk food, ain't you? Chocolate, over 50 people 
sent in cho- some kind of chocolate. Somebody said just chocolate in any form. Chocolate-covered bacon was probably my favorite, right? Chocolate-covered raisins, nasty. I, I don't know who sent that in. Hershey Kisses, candy bars, milk duds, Rolos. Anybody know anything about a Rolo? Man, give me some Rolos. Uh, chips was the next most popular junk food. And you know chips, that's the, that's the best junk food out there. All kinds of different chips dipped in all kinds of different things from salsa to peanut butter and everything in between. Somebody sent in ice cream. Over 25 of you said ice cream in some form. Blizzards, Frosties, ice cream. Candy was the next popular one, uh, be it Nerds or Sour Patch Kid, gummy bears. A Nerd Coke float. Jason Morris, that is weird. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to give his name, but I gave it anyway. Cookies, uh, a lot of cookies. The, the, the most popular cookie was Oreos. It beat out Chips Ahoy. Popcorn be popping at y'all's house. A lot of popcorn. Donuts, honey, uh, honey buns, cakes. Some of you just put outright food, like pizza, hamburgers, mac and cheese. I mean, that's a, that's a junk food right there. Isn't it? Somebody just put Jack's, like just the whole menu of Jack's. Somebody put, Zach Spees, you need to repent. <laughs> Somebody put maple syrup from the bottle, hashtag no shame, hashtag no share. <laughs> somebody put, whatever I'm eating at the time. That's, that sounds like my speed right there. And then somebody put gas station food. <laughs> I bet they got a lot of food right now at the gas station. Just like this list of junk food, this is not an exhaustive list. There's other junk foods out there and many more that you sent in. It's not an exhaustive list. When you look at verse 1 in 1 Peter 2, I want you to think of that list, think of it like this, as spiritual junk food. And Peter's saying, you need to put away this spiritual junk food, and you need to feed on, consume, desire, long for the pure spiritual milk, the Word of God. Feed on it and rid yourselves of all these spiritual junk foods that he lists here in verse 1. Here's the second shortage that, honestly, we are just ignoring. Number two, there's a shortage of hunger for the Word. There's a shortage of hunger for God's Word. And I'm talking about in the church. I mean, we know there is in the world. And and I'm not suggesting there's a shortage of hunger in the world because there is a shortage of hunger in the world. Uh, one, One story that we were told at the trustee meeting for the International Mission Board was this about this Indian family. India is in a great crisis right now. Just, it's just brutal. Uh, they're starving literally to death. And they work uh, on a day's way. They, they eat day by day. They go earn enough to buy food for a day to eat and feed their family. And that's not happening. And so we heard about this one family, this dad, who had to make an impossible decision. He had to decide whether to watch his family starve to death or poison himself and his family. Impossible decision. So he made the decision. He, he couldn't stand it. He couldn't watch them just starve to death. So he made a decision to poison himself and his family. And just before they took the poison, he was compelled to wait. Just compelled, he said. His own words, compelled to wait. And just a few minutes later, there was a a knock at his his door. And he opened the door, and one of your international missionaries was standing there with a box of food. 
Uh, Sin Relief is the name is where this food's coming from. Sin Relief is a North American Mission Board ministry that has partnered with the IMB. So those two have come together to get food to the people of India. And, and this man just said it was a miracle, just a miracle. And he heard the gospel, and they're going to follow up with him with the gospel. And, and we think about that, and we think, man, that seems so distant. I mean, today when we leave here, we're not going to, our decision is not going to be, what are we going to eat today? It's where are we going to eat today? Right? I mean, that's just so foreign to us. But you have to understand, this dad making that impossible decision, this happens spiritually every day in America. Every day, dad and mom, leader of the home, if you do not have your family being fed under the preaching and teaching of the word, they are spiritually starving to death, to death. And so here's what Peter said. And listen, there's no better illustration that can be given than what Peter gives in verse 2. I'm telling you. There is none better. Look at this. This is what he said. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. The pure spiritual milk is the Bible. Somebody say Bible. Pure spiritual milk here, Peter's referring to the Word of God. That's what he's referring to. Well, how do we know that? Because he just said, you're born again, not by a perishable seed, but an imperishable seed. Now, grow up by it. Grow up by it. Grow up by the Word. So we know he's talking about the Word. And so look, let's break down what he's saying. Like newborn infants. Peter is not, the point of, that Peter's making here is not that everybody that's listening are newborn believers. They're baby Christians. That is not Peter's point. It's not. Peter's point is rather like a newborn infant who craves milk, every believer, I don't care if you follow Jesus for 10 minutes or 99 years, every single believer should crave God's Word, just like a newborn infant. And it's a desire that's a deep, strong desire. It's a desire, you can think of it as a desire like a husband has for a wife or a wife has for her husband, or uh, that extreme physical desire you have when, when you get it from extreme hunger or the extreme desire a parent has for a wayward child to come home or that deep longing that, 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 a, that a widow or widower has for their deceased loved one or that longing and that craving for a believer to see his or her family member who is lost get saved. Those are all examples, but there's none better than what Peter gives us right here. Let let me ask you, do you have to do a lot of uh, guessing or calculating or figuring out when a baby's ready to eat? Like, does it take a whole lot to figure that out? You know when a baby's ready to eat. You know when that baby's craving. A mother's milk. And Peter's, this is what Peter's saying to us. We need the Father's Word like a baby needs a mother's milk. 
Again, I don't care if you've been a believer 99 years. You need the Father's Word like a baby needs a mother's milk. The Word of God for a believer is just like milk for a baby. A baby can't grow without milk. We can't grow without the pure spiritual milk of the Word of God. Let me say it like this. It's better to be an ignoramus with a Bible than to be an academic without a Bible. It's better to be a dimwit with a Bible than to be deep intellectually without a Bible. It's better to be a fool with a Bible than to be a philanthropist without a Bible. It's better to be a goof with a Bible than a genius without one. It's better for you to be a student of this Word than to be a scholar without it. Peter's saying, crave this Word, this pure spiritual milk. Long for it and crave it. Here's the third shortage that quite frankly, we are ignoring. And I say church, I mean the body of Christ, not just this particular local church, but the entire body of Christ. And here it is. Third shortage is discipleship through the Word. There is a shortage of discipleship through the Word. Dr. Kelly, former president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, said this about Southern Baptist. He said, Southern Baptist are the new Methodist. Now, I grew up Methodist, so what does that mean? His point was, we've abandoned discipleship. We've abandoned it. There's a shortage of discipleship. Yet here, clearly, the Holy Spirit says, <laughs> it's by it, the Word, that you grow. Do you remember Peter Pan? The hero of that children's fantasy? I don't want to grow up. Well, we got churches full of Peter Pan Christians. I don't want to grow up. And Peter the Apostle is calling us, hey, you need to grow up into your salvation. And, and the verb here is in the passive voice. You see it, you may grow up. Look at verse 2. You may grow up. That is passive. It's not active. What does the passive voice mean? It means the action is happening to you. You're not performing the action. It's happening to you. Meaning it is the intake of God's Word that the Holy Spirit uses to grow you up. That's how this happens. So why do I need to grow up? Well, here's a huge reason why you need to grow up. You need to know who you are in Jesus. You need to know who you are. You know what I've noticed in the church? And again, I'm not just talking about this local church. But what I've noticed in the, in the body of Christ... It's been, oh my, oh my heavens, if, if you haven't noticed it, you hadn't, you hadn't been paying attention. What I've noticed is that this fear that has run through the halls of the White House is making its way in the church house. I've, I've, I've observed that for whatever reason, we... we we're being programmed, and I'm, talking about the, I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about the church. We're being programmed to be professional panickers. Just panic. We hear something, we panic. Let me say this about fear. Fear of sickness, fear of truth, fear of, of roles, gender roles, fear of the two genders. Such fear. Let me say it like this. Such fear is atheistic. 
It's atheistic. Paul said it like this. God did not give you a spirit of fear. Well, if God didn't, who did? It's atheistic. And it's consuming the church. So how do I figure out who I am? Am I a professional panicker? No. In Christ, you're not. You learn that in discipleship. You learn who you are in Christ. This is what you're going to learn as your disciple. You're going to learn there's two things that every child of God has within them. Inner peace and inner warfare. That you are at war. War with slander. War with malice. War with deceit. War with envy. War with hypocrisy. Fill in the blank. You are at war. You learn that. At the same time, you have this inner peace because of the presence of the Holy Spirit that abides in you. When you're discipled, these are the things you learn. You learn that every believer is on a mission trip every single day. Every day. This is what you learn as your disciple. So what does it look like to grow up? Here's what it looks like to be discipled, okay? When, when you think about a baby. A baby. When a baby's born, a newborn infant, everything in the world revolves around him or her, right? They don't, they, don't, they don't know anything else going on in the world. They know they cry and they get milk. And so they have this attitude of, I'm everything. And that's the same way for a, for a new believer in Christ. When you're, you, 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 you've, you, you put your faith in Christ and you still have that selfish, and we're all selfish, but we still, it's so fresh, and we think, I'm everything. But then when you grow up into something, you figure out, well, no, I'm not everything, but I am something. And then you learn, well, you know what? I'm really not everything, and I'm really not something. I'm nothing. And then you grow up a little more, and you say, okay, I'm really not everything. I'm really not something. I'm really not nothing. I'm Christ. I belong to Jesus. I'm a child of God. I belong to Him. And it's a process of growing up. That doesn't happen overnight, but you're discipled, and you grow up into that. Think about it like this. You need to be fed. Right now, we're, we're being fed from God's Word, right? In a situation like this, we're being fed. I get fed every week. I listen to sermons from my pastor at First Collierville uh, in, in Collierville, Tennessee, and, and I'm fed every week. You need to be fed. I need to be fed. We all need to be fed. That never needs to stop. You need to be fed. As your disciples, you figure out, okay, not only do I need to be fed, I need to learn how to feed myself. We do that through Journal Through the Word. We learn how, okay, I'm going to look at this text, I'm going to read it, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give me insight into what the context of this is and what this means, what, what, what truth can I walk away from this, and what does God want me to do with this, right? And so we, we learn that through journaling through the Word. So we learn, hey, I need to be fed, I need to learn how to feed myself, then we grow a little more and say, okay, now I need to feed somebody else. I need to tell somebody what I'm learning in the Word. Yes! I'm being fed, I'm learning how to feed myself, I'm teaching others or I'm feeding others, then I get to teach others how to feed themselves. That's the next step in discipleship. So I'm being fed. I'm learning how to feed myself. I'm feeding someone else. I'm teaching them how to feed themselves. Then as I grow more, I get to teach them how to feed someone else. This is discipleship. It's, it's, it's how you grow. And that can't happen in this room at 1045 to 12 noon. It's not going to happen in here. You got to get plugged into smaller groups. You got to get into a life group and have community. You got to get in a smaller group and have accountability and reproducibility. And that happens through discipleship. So let me encourage you, encourage you to take the next step in your journey of discipleship. Peter says it like this, by it you may grow up 
into salvation. And here's the last shortage that we see. Verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So there's a shortage of devotion to the Word. Right? There's a shortage of devotion to the Word. In the early church in Acts, we are told, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They didn't just dabble in it. They didn't just dip their toe in it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the Word. And so Peter says, yes, if you have tasted, and by the way, verse 3 means if you are saved, if you've tasted, if indeed you've been born again by this imperishable seed, and you've tasted that the Lord is kind and gracious. How did the Lord show us He's kind and gracious? While you were yet His enemies, Christ died for you on the cross. Shed His blood for you. Spilled His blood for you. Died in your place. Paid the penalty of your sin. They buried Him. The third day, He bodily rose from the grave. Proving that He alone can forgive our sin. This is how God presented or showed us, demonstrated that he's gracious, he's kind, he's merciful, he's good. So if you've, taste, if you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, then you've tasted that. Paul says it like this in Titus 3, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. So if you're saved, then you're called to grow up in that salvation. If indeed you've been saved. You can't grow up in salvation if you're not saved. That, that can't happen. So the first thing that needs to happen is you need to put your faith alone, by grace alone, in Jesus alone. Then church, here's what we must do as a church. Here's what you must do as a follower of Christ. Because you're being bombarded in every direction from information all the time. So here's what you have to do. You have to, every issue you face, every question that is raised, every doctrine you believe, Every ideology you entertain, every position you consider to take, you need to ask one question. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? This is our final authority for what we believe and how we behave. I want to share some good news with you. You want to hear some good news? The president, Dr. Chitwood of International Mission Board, gave his report to the trustees. He'll give the same report at the convention uh, next month. And here's his, here's his report. It's an incredible report, by the way. And keep in mind, Dr. Chitwood told churches like ours, do not travel internationally in 2020. Don't do it. Don't do it. So how many trips did not happen in 2020? No telling. Even still, I want you to hear this report. This is a 2020 report from the International Mission Board. Your missionaries on the field across the world had 750,000 gospel conversations with people overseas. 750,000 people were engaged with a gospel conversation. That is up from 2019... 250,000 conversations. A quarter of a million. I didn't say down. I said up. In a pandemic year, when nobody's traveling, and yet they had 250,000 more conversations. 
Listen to this. Of those 750,000 people, 144,000 people got saved. 144,000 people across the world came to faith in Christ. That's up from 89,000 in 2019. Again, it's up, not down. 86,000 of those 144,000 were baptized in 2020. That's up from 49,000 baptized in 2019. And 18,000 churches were planted in 2020, up from 12,000 in 2019. Church, how does that happen? Here's how that happens. God is still on his throne. (laughs) Jesus only still saves. The gospel can't be quarantined. It can't be. People are still lost. And and, and God's church, his children, his missionaries, all over the world, they are devoted to the word of God. There is no promotion of the gospel without devotion to the gospel. They were devoted and they promoted it and the Holy Spirit saved. What, What a glorious report. Glorious. Why? Because they're devoted to the Word. So here's our takeaway today. Here it is, quite simply stated this way. We need to feed on God's imperishable seed. This Word, this Bible, the Word of God, is the imperishable seed by which we're born again. And if we're going to grow up into that salvation, we need to feed on God's imperishable seed. Get rid of that spiritual junk food and feed on God's imperishable seed. I know, you're right, sin is appetizing, isn't it? Yes, it's appetizing, but Jesus is satisfying. Oh, sin is filling, but Jesus is fulfilling. Oh, sin is hit or miss, but Jesus, he hits the spot every single time. So feed on God's imperishable seed. Listen, sin is saving you a seat at the massacre supper of the Lord, while the Lord is saving you a seat at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So feed on his imperishable seed. Oh, yes, sin is powerful, but Jesus is all-powerful. Yes, sin, it, it, it promises to deliver like DoorDash, but Jesus says, I am the door. So feed on this imperishable. Sin is limited, but Jesus is unlimited. Sin is turning bread into rock, but Jesus is turning water into wine. This is who our Lord is. Jesus is sweet. Our sin is sweet, but Jesus is far, far sweeter. God would-